Hi, Matt McDonough. You know, there are times when you're out there looking for the most perfect podcast for you. And I'm here to let you know that you don't have to look anymore. There's a special podcast network out there called the Tangent Bound Podcast Network. They've got everything you could possibly ever look for in a podcast. Everything. So, if you're looking for something to fill your ear holes, or just something nice to listen to, head on over to tangentboundnetwork.com. Click on the channels link, and go ahead, listen to your heart's content. Here at Tangent Bound Network, we'll leave the mics on for you. Hi, this is Erica Schultz. And Claire Connolly. And you're listening, listening to, to Adrian, Adrian Has, has issues. issues. I might have to put a disclaimer on that. Well, I'll have to like, try to... <laughs> the editing is going to be a pain, though, but... I got to do like, chocolate rain. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Welcome to 2007. Did you ever see... Um, you can hold it up. Oh, sorry. Okay. Uh, did you ever see the... Um, was it, remember back, I don't know if you really were paying attention on the internet at that point, like maybe 2007, 2008, mm. there was, what's his name, Chad Vader, it was the guy in like the Darth Vader suit, he'd always, like, he was like a fry cook at like a fast food restaurant. I, vaguely. <laughs> but, um. Alright, um. I gotta you, go quick. Yeah. Damn, I gotta be like eating this shit. You kind of, because like I said, your voice is much lower, no. and it's so, so much softer. Look, well, Kevin Smith already has the <laughs> handle on filleting microphones. I don't think that's copyrighted, but oh, we could okay. get in trouble for that. But he oh, had sure. a, um, Chad Vader, one of the schedules, was he was spoofing Chocolate Rain. And it was like, Chocolate Oh, Rain. yes! And he was doing that the, one I remember. And of course, when he'd move his mouth, like he was doing like the Darth Vader breathing. <laughs> and like, they're showing him like the keyboard, he's like pressing like two fingers on the keyboard. <laughs> To me, that was almost... There were so many spoofs of that, but the Darth Vader one was the was, best. was great. That was fantastic. Hello and welcome to Adrian Has Issues. I'm Adrian. I'm still like completely just like I'm almost kind of shaking still. Like I have like that buzz. Like okay, I've already had a bit of my cherry coke. I already had like that that full mug of coffee. Um, I started on my second vodka and V8 splash, <laughs> and I also brought on my Gatorade. So right now it's like between the electrolytes and the sugar and alcohol, like I don't know what my body wants to do, and I'm, my, my body still, needs a pee break at this point. <laughs> I had several pee breaks before we started. <laughs> First off, before I start anything, I just have to say happy anniversary, Eileen. And thank you for geeking out with me for the past two years. Well, happy anniversary, baby. It's been the best two years ever. And it's been a wild and crazy ride. And the way we celebrated was probably the best way we could. We've talked before on the show multiple times. Let's see, you were on episode, was it like 15 or 16 already? Something. You were on episode 28, and we uh, talked to Marjorie Liu. And you popped on again for uh, the Spectre review, mm -hmm. which a lot of that review we had to cut out because I don't think we could really say a lot of our feelings about that movie out loud. <laughs> little NSFW. <laughs> All good things necessarily, but, you know, it's a little, a little rough for the chillings. Mm. But, yeah. Oh, yeah, so many 
<laughs> Listen. <laughs> Look, you, you don't know. Like, for, it could be like the 100 downloads or whatever. It could be all for, like five year olds and listen to me make all these crude references. You don't know. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> but we bonded over a lot of things. Of course, I love James Bond and mm-hmm. old Godzilla movies. But Star Wars was, I think, one of the, the biggest the, yeah. things worth us. And I know. Even before we dated, like we were kind of doing, I guess, Star Wars and chill before that was. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, we watched the original trilogy and actually eventually we did get to the prequels, even though we were less invested in those. Yeah, that was more background noise. But not for nothing, no. Talking to you about the prequels, I think in a way, having to have someone have that back and forth with. Helped you process them better. Yeah, because you know what? I know it's popular to kind of rag on and we talk about how terrible some of the acting was, but we then kind of got really geeky and trying to find ways in which the prequels really did kind of matter. Right. Like, if you take out all the bullshit, there are some surprisingly great moments in those, and that was definitely one of those things that it was fun talking to you because I'm like, yes, are they our favorites? Absolutely not. Yeah. But yet, you know what? They have their place, and I can't disregard those movies as much as part of me wants to at times. They're every bit of the Star Wars saga as, let's say, you know, four through six and even seven is. Well, except for the whole Jar Jar Binks thing that we just totally ignored. (laughs) Right. And he was, like, one problem out of many with that movie in particular because I'm not making excuses for him. But one thing about George Lucas. Well, it's his fault the freaking Empire fell into Palpatine's hands. (laughs) But, I mean, he pretty much sold out everybody and he's kind of like, and nobody called him on that, which I think was kind of bullshit. But Yeah, well, granted, he was just acting on behalf of what that was Padme, right? Yeah, that's true. So, if anything, you could blame Luke's mom. I don't know, because she kind of was like, all right, in certain situations, and I think he just kind of had like a, you know, Oh, be so scared. Let's go have somebody save us, you know? <laughs> oh, are we are you talking about, like, when he is in the Senate or? Yeah. Okay. You know, and he just kind of like, all right, like, she's like, you know, in the event of, you know, okay, you have this power, but I don't think she ever really meant for him to actually use it. <laughs> but come on, he had his robes and everything, and he looked like he was on a gospel choir for some reason. <laughs> you know, right? We're like, oh, be so praising. <laughs> Oh, it'll be so funny if some pots come up out of the city with the rest of the choir. He's got his tambourine and his big fan on it. Oh, I'm sorry. I had this vision of like Jar Jar Binks Holy Ghost in it. I'm going to burn in hell for that. I'm going to burn for that. I'm so sorry. Oh, my God. And this is where this goes. Yeah. <laughs> this pretty sums us up in a nutshell. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's just like... God bless the pygmies in Africa. You know what I'm <laughs> wow. Sorry. That, that was that's an old. A <laughs> what the hell read that? Wow. Well, um, now. <laughs> Cable guy reference. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, forgive me. Man. But no, that's. that's oh, gosh. Uh, see, now those movies are fun to me. Because <laughs> now we're preaching church choirs. <laughs> yeah. But before we get into that, you know what? I'm going to be a dork. And of course. Tell everybody, well, A, how much I love you. Oh, I love you too, baby. And how awesome you are. So, you know what? While I think we've already given each other our anniversary gift, because, I mean, shoot, it doesn't really get any better than Star Wars and, like, kick-ass theaters. Mm. But um, there you go. There's your anniversary gift. Oh, I, you know, shoot. I didn't grab yours out of the, of the room. That's fine. But, you know, I'm just going to do this on the show. And oh, hope you enjoy it. <gasps> oh, my God. Oh, baby. He's adorable. He gave me a 
Godzilla pop, and it's the cutest thing ever. And it's so funny. Like, I was in on a comic book store. as well. shout out to Jeff um, and Chris and the guys at Eastside Mags. I was in there trying to find you a gift because I was originally trying to find the Groot Dorbs. Mm-hmm. And they, um, Jeff was trying to push, like, the, the larger one on me. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I already got you, like, two other Groots. And I'm like, that kind of felt redundant. And after already picking up my comics, and then I saw that just as I was leaving. And he's like, is anybody buying this? Like, nope. I was like, yoink. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so cute. So, oh, there babe. you go. Happy anniversary. Oh, thanks, babe. I guess I have to give you yours after. <laughs> That's fine. But I just figured, you know what? I'll be a dork and give you your oh, gift, like, on the show. I love you. <laughs> I know we're such total nerd love geeks. I was like, please stand by. Final chicken wow. I'm sorry. Wrong oh, music. No. <laughs> so yeah, um shit. <laughs> okay, how do we segue out of that? <laughs> I don't know, I was gonna say. So uh this weekend, of course, being opening weekend for Star Wars Episode Seven: Force Awakens, I had a lot of trouble coming into this. Not this as the movie, but this as this episode. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I'm not, at, at the risk of sounding like a jerk, and as of no disrespect to everybody else, I kind of almost didn't want to do just, like, a review of the movie. Yeah. Because by this point, everybody is reviewing the movie. And I'm sure there's a lot of different views and maybe a lot of different takes on it that maybe... Not everybody will pick up on. Right. But at the same time, overbrow, it's just like, we. how do you not talk about something as big as this? You know, this yeah. is a big deal, not just for us, but in pop culture, because I mean, shit, one of the first big sci-fi movies I've ever watched, well, made to watch, was not even like, let's say, A New Hope. I didn't watch that movie until like maybe a couple years later as a kid. Right. My first was Empire Strikes Back. Like, it's funny, most of my first movies were the weird sequels. Like, Mm -hmm. I saw Predator 2 before I saw the first one. (laughs) Like, I saw Aliens before I saw Alien. And, you know, Lethal Weapon 2 was, no, actually, that's not entirely true. I did see the first, I heard the first Lethal Weapon first. My dad owned a soundtrack because he's a big jazz and Mm -hmm. music fiend. But, yeah, like, weird sequels are my thing. So, by the time I saw A New Hope, I felt like it wasn't nearly as fun because, like, I've already seen this ultra badass movie and, like, seen this dude get his hand cut off. <laughs> now they're, like, having fun and, like, they're <laughs> practically, like, dancing and shit. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, it's like we, we can't help but talk about this. So, well, I guess before we start, we need to do big disclaimer spoiler oh, yeah. alert, spoiler alerts, massive spoiler alert. Yeah. So, if you don't want to, if you haven't seen it yet and you don't want us to ruin the experience, which it really is. This is worthy of the original the original three movies. It really is worthy and comparable with those. So if you don't want us to ruin that experience, you might want to turn this off now. Go see the movie and then come back. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, do come back. Don't turn it off. Yeah, don't turn it off. And, yeah, definitely come back. Check it out. See how what you think. You know? Or what you could do is listen to it anyway. Have it spoiled and then complain to me on Twitter at Agent Has Issues, <laughs> slash Agent Has Issues. I'm on iTunes and Stitcher. Just search Agent Has Issues there and please leave a five star or a one star review depending on how bad I wrote this. <laughs> and, you know, definitely leave some feedback in a review because any feedback, whether it's your show is great or I hope you die in your sleep, <laughs> all that is definitely something I could take into account and be like, hey, you want me to die, but yet you still listen. There you go. Sign up for further, you know, information and news and highlights oh, so that you can hate true. on us even more. <laughs> <laughs> well, we also have the email. If you go to AdrianHasIssues.com on the um, right-hand side of the screen, on the top there, there's a section where you can drop in your email. So that way you can get notice when a new episode goes up so you will not miss a beat. 
There you go. So, yeah, um, we will be talking spoilers. Before we even get into the episode, let me just say I am a giant fucking baby. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Yes. I cried multiple times. Oh. And not even during the moments where you should cry. I'm talking just the opening crawl. Just, just the credits. Just at once. <laughs> just seeing Lucasfilm and the freaking yellow letters going across space. Tears were streaming <laughs> down my eyes. Like, it was horrible. Oh. I looked like an anime character. I was like a little waterfall. <laughs> Yeah, I pretty much had to hold your hands in this whole movie. <laughs> you know what it was? Growing up, of course, like a lot of geeks my age and probably those older, uh, my cousin and I, we were supposed to get this box out of um, my, my grandparents' basement. On my dad's side belonged to my father, and there was like a lot of his belongings and stuff from when he was like my age and well, way younger. And the thing is, he would constantly kind of get on CGM, like, make sure you get that box out of the basement. And I'm like, wow, it's weird that he's so adamant about this. Mm -hmm. And I don't think he necessarily meant for me to look inside the box, but it's like, I couldn't. And in this box, opening it up, it was kind of like I realized, I'm not necessarily going to go into great detail what was in there, but the stuff in there, like, I was almost kind of upset, but at the same time, things made a lot of sense to me in my own childhood. And I realized how much of my life coming up reflected that of my father's. Hmm. Of course, Star Wars being such a big thing about, of course, the conflict between a father and his son and, like, you know, their strained relationship. Having seen The Empire Strikes Back first, you know, really resonated with me. Like, I don't know how it felt for you. I guess I'll ask you in a minute. But in that box, though, there was a newspaper clipping. And it has, it was a newspaper ad. It wasn't even, like, a review or anything. But it was, like, you know, how they always used to put movie ads in their paper. Mm -hmm. And it showed little theater listings underneath it of Star Wars. Oh, cool. And, of course, the year on there, it was, um, I forget the actual month, but it was, you know, summer of 1977. And I'm like, holy shit. Wow. This is, like, this is the genuine, to me, like, this was, like, the genuine artifact. Like, this is it. Yeah. Whereas I watched it secondhand on VHS and whatnot. My father or my parents were there. They were in that theater and having to feel that surround sound and, like, their rickety seats shaking because they're watching that ship, you know, first fly over their heads and everything. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, for you, what was your first experience with Star Wars? That I can remember? I don't remember. I mean, in 77, I was very young. I've always remembered seeing it either on TV or on VHS. I mean, it was just something that was just kind of always around. You know, and the, and the, especially the you know the original three movies. Well, granted, it was the original one, then Empire, and then when Jedi came out, I think um, we actually. I'm not sure if we saw. I think the third one you might have seen in the movies. It's hard to remember because the thing is, Star was just such a part of you know the list of movies that we just watched over and over in my house. Yeah. And if it was on TV, that means we recorded it. You know, we had VHS tapes of it or whatever. <laughs> you know, and um, it was just always there. So I couldn't really pinpoint and tell you really when I first saw it. I mean, obviously, I'm a little older, so I saw it with the first movie. That was just part of childhood or growing up. It was the different lines from the movie were quoted regularly in my house. Like, you know, whatever it was, you know, we, we were big movie buffs and, and we quote movie lines and stuff constantly. And my brothers had the C-3PO case with all the... You know, oh, they're you, they figure, had that? yeah. My brother had the C three PO. It was a C three PO case, and then inside was all the uh, different um, figures and stuff. He lost the case, but I think I do still actually have a few of the original figures that my brothers used to have. Very cool. Star Wars was, 
it just has so much meaning for us i think and i think you would agree with this too that you know as a child whatever like just having that fantasy that feel like the powerless kid and then finding out that you have a whole world a universe ahead of you and that you can be more than what you were or what you thought you were and then as far as the you know the dysfunctional family aspect (laughs) (laughs) i mean i had you know i didn't have a dysfunctional family well i mean what we do but to us you know we put the fun and dysfunctional but you know, I had both my parents and, and, and my brothers or whatever. But when it comes down to it, no matter where you are in life, in the end, it somehow always comes down to family. Yeah, and even the family that may not necessarily be blood, because that's the one thing I did appreciate about Star Wars. Even, like, let's say New Hope, and it's like, okay, eventually you find out that long after, of course, the awkward kissing and those moments that Han and... Han, I'm sorry. Wow. Uh, to the <laughs> but... Luke and Leia obviously were siblings. Yeah, they, of course, came from a very odd household where they came from royalty. They came from Jedis. They came from these great seats of power in different ways. But yet they had two completely different experiences growing up. Leia got to stay, you know, as royalty. And I'd imagine lived the life of luxury while it was a constant struggle because, I mean, of course, it's not like she had time to enjoy it. She was constantly kind of put to work. Like she was really, she wasn't a spoiled princess. She was a working princess. Right. But yet she got to see this world that her brother never did. All he knew was sand and purple milk. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Or blue milk, uh, depending on your your color scheme (laughs) on your television. (laughs) Because for us, it was purple milk. And everyone was saying blue milk. I'm like, what the fuck is purple milk? (laughs) It was a grayish, bluish purple. I don't know. Okay, it was periwinkle. How about that? (laughs) Periwinkle milk. (laughs) And while I didn't necessarily sympathize with the Luke character as much in maybe those first movies, but yet, you know, then, of course, they meet Han and Chewie and C-3PO. So it's like, okay, their family wasn't necessarily all blood, but yet they made their own family, which, of course, growing up, I have my blood relatives and my sisters. Mm -hmm. But yet my best friend, his wife, and then meeting you, it's like I found my own kind of family. And it's just it's funny because Star Wars itself, Let's be honest. I'm going to just say this, and this is what I feel. I'm sure people are going to probably hear this and turn it off. The Star Wars movies are kind of stupid. What? They're very simplistic in the grand scheme of things. But yet, those movies hold so much more meaning outside of just characters and stories. Like, it took on this larger-than-life persona. Because it had to, because otherwise I would not be bawling when I'm seeing the damn titles scroll. And, you know, I think about... Well, I mean, I guess it's simplistic in that it's... It's kind of the theme of good versus evil and conflicted family. In that sense, okay, yeah, you could kind of break, you know, in church and state, and there's a lot of themes kind of mixed in with it. But it is a metaphor for so much, you know, and and all those things that it is, though simple. It was simple but complicated. Everything kind of intertwines in a way, and it's basically representative of life, you know, and all the conflicts that we kind of deal with. Or the As, conflicts that we have over breakfast. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know that we just, you know, kind of deal with on a daily basis or even just philosophically or what have you. But it was a way of kind of dealing with life and all those issues, but on a grander, more hopeful scale, I guess. You know, like it... it I guess it depends on where you lean, though, because as we found out today, because we were trying to wait until we got our microphone to talk about the movie. (laughs) And we just could not. We couldn't stop. (laughs) But what was interesting about that discussion was the fact that, I mean, we did start out talking about, okay, in episode seven, we love this character. We love these moments. Mm -hmm. We maybe hated other moments, which I'm sure we'll tap into eventually. But the general idea of, I want to say, 
where we find ourselves come episode seven because it's a quite literal 30 year gap right if not maybe a little bit more than that because let's say 1977 so yeah it's about a little over 30 years what was cool about episode seven is as opposed to let's say the prequels that try to place you in the setting of this is you know 30 years in the past or however maybe let's say 20 years in the past right this kind of took place the characters find themselves where they would be in 30 years it's not too much of a stretch that Han and Leia are dang near senior citizens at this point. <laughs> the world's in a different place, but it's in a very familiar place. Yeah. Instead of the Empire, we have the First Order. Mm-hmm. And yet, while there are mentions made, because we don't really see much of the standing government in this movie, there is something of a standing republic now. Right. And this is where we kind of got into this whole discussion, is because in the prequel trilogies, and as well as even the original trilogy... The balance of power rested between the two factions of the Jedi and the Sith. And that struggle also played out, you know, going back to the whole church and state thing. Mm-hmm. It also played out in the political landscape because while we complained that the prequels, the impetus of war was, okay, there's trade tariffs and embargoes and, right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the politics of the prequels or the politics of Star Wars universe played out in the same battle that the Jedi and the Sith had. Right. Even if necessarily they shouldn't have. Exactly. I mean, you still had, when I mean, the Empire, I mean, before they were known as the Empire, but the Empire in and of itself, they weren't all Sith. They were this extreme power hungry faction, as it were, that kind of wanted, they wanted power. They wanted to control. Right, and they constantly, yeah. you know, were coming into battle with the Trade Federation. Exactly. and the, But then you had the Sith kind of, they want the same thing. They want power. So then, of course, they're working together with with the Empire or the, you know, the, the space Nazis, <laughs> you know, kind of at the time. And then you have the Jedi kind of mixing with, you know, the Republic government in a way that made them kind of a little too powerful as well. Right. So you had kind of that mix and, and they're, they're very much kind of symbiotic relationships, you know? Right. Because I was making the argument over breakfast this morning or this afternoon. <laughs> brunch. Or brunch. Yeah, I'll say brunch. Cause of course I'm not telling on myself because I did not wake up at early time. The idea that there's always supposed to be balance in the force. But the problem is, by the prequels, the Jedis almost had too much say in government when really, if you believe the code, they probably should have been much more impartial. Right. The Sith really aren't necessarily evil, but in these movies, it's like, oh, you turn Sith, you know, of course, you physically get all fucked up and you <laughs> start wearing weird breathing and facial apparatus, apparatus <laughs> and you can't talk clearly. <laughs> but yet you know we we got into this great discussion and part of me almost wishes i hadn't because i couldn't help but talk with you yeah but i'm like damn that would have been great for the show exactly i mean we could kind of go over the bullet points i guess you know um yeah because the sith you know if you look at like the sith code whatever i mean i don't have it in front of me right now but it actually made sense yeah it wasn't intrinsically evil but it's kind of like, you know, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Or you could think of it like religious extremism or whatever. It kind of went that way. But in and of itself, the Sith Order wasn't necessarily evil per se. Right. You know, and then the Jedi are supposed to be very impartial. They're supposed to be very kind of, you know, one with the Force and peaceful and coexisting and all that stuff. And yet you see them in a, po- in a position now of having actual power and involvement 
you know, I mean, one could argue that Palpatine kind of pulled them into it and kept involving them in government matters because he kept going to the council and asking them for help. But they still went there, you know, right. and they kind of did kind of start feeling themselves a little bit and were kind of enjoying that position of being able to be involved under the guise of, or maybe they thought they were somehow helping. But yeah, there was a little bit of power trip in there with the Jedi. Right. Well, I found the code. Okay. Okay, so this is the Sith code. Peace is a lie. There's only passion. Through passion, I gain strength. Through strength, I gain power. Through power, I gain victory. Through victory, my chains are broken. The Force shall free me. And this takes me to the other star franchise, which should be Star Trek, where you have kind of the Vulcans and the and the Romulans, and you have the Vulcans that are very much kind of like control and peace and, and emotional kind of detachment and, and logic. But then you have the Romulans that are very much about passion and emotion and you know, and then they kind of had that same thing where then it kind of ended up becoming more of a strive for, for ultimate power instead of just personal power. Right. Whereas the Sith Code really, you know, if you read it as it is, it's kind of more about personal power, but then became a thing about ultimate power. Right. And that's the thing because the this, the wow, goddamn. <laughs> the this. The this. The Sith. Say that five times fast. <laughs> And that's it, kind of that whole extremism, which I feel like, in a way, exists on both sides. Mm -hmm. Because I'm going to now read you the Jedi Code. There is no emotion. There is peace. There is no ignorance. There is knowledge. There is no passion. There is serenity. There is no chaos. There is harmony. There is no death. There is the Force. Which is interesting, because pulling a really geeky, geeky quote, I think of that line that Vision had said in Age of Ultron. Where he's like, you know, humans are funny. They somehow think that order and chaos are somehow different or hmm. like separate. And in a way, unfortunately. Yeah, you can't have one without the other. Just like the whole thing between good and evil, you kind of can't have one without the other. Right. And I think that was where the, the Jedi really kind of screwed up, you know, going back towards the prequels and maybe even leading towards the new movies where, in a way, they kind of sold their own poison. Hmm. Because the fact is, they were supposed to be so impartial. And yet they found themselves dealing so heavily within the government and then in a way using that to gain power over the Sith. But what is that if not almost the same thing? Because it's like, okay, you're not gaining power through the way that Sith traditionally do. Through force and through, you know. Right. They were they weren't trying to control the government, but they were definitely working with them and accommodating them. Right, which is almost kind of just as, and, it's almost as bad. And, you know, and it was kind of like, just like the Sith and the Empire used each other to kind of go for the same goal. Right. The Jedi and the Republic, though maybe not having the same exact goal, they did serve each other. They did kind of use each other to kind of acquire their own particular goals. Whereas the Jedi maybe wasn't trying to, you know, control the the galaxy or you know whatever and the planets and the trees and whatever they were trying to they were using that political clout and resources to battle against you know the sith and and but what and is the that it's not power then that is power as well maybe it's not but they weren't the same way. They, yeah they weren't you know and again this kind of goes to that church and state thing where it's like okay or maybe po- politics and your religious beliefs whatever should be their own separate thing 
Right. But they end up kind of using each other to their own ends. How many times in politics, especially, do you get those people on both on whatever side, whether you're Republican or Democrat, and especially like let's say in wartime, mm-hmm. where people believe that their cause is righteous, their cause is pure, that their God or their belief system, whatever name you give to it, mm-hmm. basically that belief gives them their strength and that they're on the right side of justice. Right. That it doesn't come from just regular morality. It comes from, again, sometimes what we see a lot of is, of course, their religious beliefs, that that's what gives them, or maybe spirituality, that that gives them just cause. And in some ways, that's some ways in right and some ways that are also inherently wrong. Right. And so now we find ourselves some 30 years later after the empire supposedly collapses and how yet, even in its collapse, now we find ourselves being introduced to what's known as the First Order, which in a way seems almost even more threatening than what the empire was because where the empire was more subversive some more subversive because again they are now seated in government and using that to exert control whereas i'm getting the impression and feel free to hit me up on Mm -hmm. twitter or facebook what have you to prove me wrong but i got the impression that now that they don't necessarily have that foothold in the government because i did hear someone mention the republic so obviously some government does still exist now right is that the first order they're basically that same belief but without that government foothold, so it's like that's even more concentrated malice. Yeah, it's more like invading country, you know, than um, kind of, you know, divide and conquer. You know, they're, they're coming yeah. from outside kind of attacking as opposed to kind of working it from the, from inside the system. Yeah, and definitely more of a threat because now they're just way more destructive than they even were before. I mean, as bad as the Death Star was... You know, this new thing now is is way (laughs) worse, where they don't even care destroying parts of the galaxy to get what they want. When we watched episode four, there was no... We were Obviously, as a kid, I was like, well, what the hell happened to episodes one, two, and three? Mm -hmm. We never got to see any of those early entries in the story. So when Vader and, um, what is his name, Tarkin blow up Alderaan Mm -hmm. it's supposed to be this terrible thing and I guess in a way it still is because it's like holy shit fucking Death Star just blew up a whole planet Mm -hmm. but yet we hadn't really seen much about those planets we didn't really know at that point just how far their reach was we just thought it was a bunch of dudes in you know weird uniforms being evil just blowing up stuff Mm -hmm. but in this case we saw them nuke multiple planets quite easily I mean and not only that but they would they would basically suck up an entire sun the power of a sun destroy that sun so they could wipe out complete planets right so in a way they're causing as you said earlier today obviously the Sith are still in control of this faction in a way they're almost kind of like no I don't I don't want to take it there maybe that's no maybe we should not take it there but it's that level of extremism even on that level mm-hmm. the Sith now taking people quite literally and pulling them into their cause, whether they want to or not, and indoctrinating them. Because as we find out, no longer are the troopers clones. There are people that they've taken at a very young age. Some of them were probably maybe even born within this. Mm-hmm. Like, they may have not, because I'm, I'm sure with the character Finn, because he says, you know, he hasn't known anything but this. So he was probably He taken, was taken as a child. Like, he never had a name. You know, he had a designation, you know. And he, this was all he knew. He just knew that he was taken from wherever he was and this was his life. And, you know, and then realizing in his first battle that, hey, all this thing that I was trained all my life for, I'm not really cut out for. 
you know, this isn't what I thought I was being brought up for, you know. And it's so funny because you, you knew that in the, the first three movies that the clones ended. There were no more clones. Then you have the original three movies of four through through six, where I guess the stormtroopers at that point, they were hired or volunteers right, or point, they probably have 401k and stuff, you know? Because yeah, like, there's that one scene... <laughs> You know, and then I'm pretty sure for a stormtrooper, like, okay, you know, like, you know, whatever. Like, they kind of were there. And then now you have the, them where they're not hired help so much as, hey, they're enslaved. They're kind of enslaved from birth. Yeah, it's but it's that same indoctrination that we see, you know, in the real world where people at a very young age, like, are kind of bred for combat. And whether mm. side you believe in, and I'm, you know, obviously playing the middle ground here, but how many soldiers do we see in real world conflicts are young men and women? Right. It's different there because, of course, they're led to believe that, of course, they're fighting for this, you know, again, that whole just cause thing. But here, the First Order took it another step and are literally just taking people and then just, I'd imagine it'd be almost like a clockwork orange. We're literally just sitting them down and feeding them all this information to make them believe that. You yeah, know, like that universal soldier kind of yeah. thing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but clearly it does not work as well as they think it does. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, you, you don't get the idea that it's as, you know, maybe it is. Unique. No, they did have um, conditioning because they were saying at one point when one of our main characters, you know, has his moral conflict. They were going to send him for reconditioning. And it's kind of like, okay, they were really indoctrinated and bred and to really believe in what they're doing, you know, and the other, you know, stormtroopers that kind of got mad at him and was like, traitor, you know, they really were brainwashed to kind of believe like this is... It's kind of like the Winter Soldier thing. Yeah, which is so much worse than the original Stormtroopers where you could kind of tell some of those like, all right, you know, they were hired to do a job and they weren't really invested because you know, nobody could shoot for shit, you know? <laughs> and it was kind of like, if we're going to run, okay, we, things are getting out, we, we're out of here, you know? <laughs> but it's funny because that one scene where Obi-Wan goes into turn off the shield generator or the Death Star. Mm-hmm. And you see those two stormtroopers were having a conversation. Like, yeah. Oh, do you see like the new, um, what was the name of the, the, the model ship that they were talking about? Like they were just having like this completely normal conversation. Like, that like coworkers would have. Right. Yeah. Like, you're just standing around standing guard. So of course you're just bullshitting, but the clones would have never had that conversation. Yeah. They were just kind of do there. Well, I mean, I guess unless you were say if you saw like the clone the clone wars like, I was the, like the animated cartoons, even the clones there was individuality. Well, there started you to know. be and that was the thing. They started to develop individual thoughts. And the clones actually had names. Yeah. You know, whereas now you have here in this case, they're actually all different kinds of people. They're not clones, but they don't have that individuality on a certain level. Good point. You know what I mean? So the clones lost a certain individuality as far as DNA, but they, but inherently the human experience, everybody experiences things differently. And then in this case, you have actual different people, you know, different aliens or whatever these, you know, the stormtroopers are, but their individuality was kind of taken from them, right? you know, and they tried to kind of breed them or not breed them because obviously they were, but trained. So and he, in, in all cases, the Empire, the Sith, always tried to take the stormtroopers and kind of make them uniform in some way. But in a way, you couldn't. Exactly. So I guess we should jump more into Episode 7 now, but it is great that you mentioned the Clone Wars because that was something that was very almost harrowing to watch in that show because 
how many times, like especially in the early episodes, were the clones in these horrible situations, and yet a lot of them realized, well, they were fully aware that they were clones and that they were expendable. Right. And it was very, you know, for a kid show. And, and how they <laughs> dealt with that, knowing that, was different. Like, there were clones that were very aggressive. There were clones that were maybe a little bit more sensitive. There were clones that were meant to lead and the others that were meant to follow because they kind of took that idea of, yes, I'm a clone. Yes, I was bred for this thing. But how they handled that and did their job and how they dealt with their existence was very different, even though they were the same DNA, which is kind of an interesting thing to think of because you would think that being raised the same way, whatever, they would have a general sameness to them. But then I guess it's kind of like the same thing with like twins or triplets or what have you, and especially if they're raised in different situations, whatever, there's certain things that are very much alike. But there's always things that are different. Well, there's definitely that whole nature versus nurture argument because... I know it's a stupid argument, but that whole thing of, like, if you cloned Hitler, would he be the madman that the other general was? Or if you bred him in a different environment? And we see that now in the case of, let's say, Episode 7, because, like we talked about earlier, where you have someone like Anakin Skywalker, who, obviously, even though he seemed like a carefree kid, grew up in pretty shitty circumstances. Right. He grew up in, like, you know, slavery, like indentured servitude, having never really known a father because supposedly one didn't exist. Not going to get into all that right now. Right. But his home life was pretty terrible, all things considered. But as a kid, I mean, that was all he knew. But obviously he resented it. I mean, yeah, he resented more how his mother was treated, I think, more than anything. Yeah. Because that was his only family. But as a kid, he seemed like a good kid, well-intentioned, whatever. And you had high hopes for him. And then it wasn't until he got older and was kind of told, hey, you have this power and you're this special person. Finding that and then thinking that all possibilities were open, he got away from where he was. And then finding out he couldn't save the one thing he cared about. Repeatedly, actually, because he lost his mother and then he, he lost up, like, He grew up in an almost even worse environment than what if, like, let's say, for instance, if he would have had stayed and Tatooine had never interacted with anybody. I mean, whether you believe in a prophecy or not. Would he have, would the force have manifested itself anyway? You if never, he wasn't, if he wasn't kind of told, hey, you have this and you can do this and whatever, would he still have kind of. It's was an he destined? Question. You know what I mean, right? Because how much of it was like supposedly meant for him, and how much of it was just kind of like being taken and put into these environments where he just was not able to function. Just because you have potential doesn't mean you always reach your potential, right? And that's kind of like where we lead into, let's say, a character like Kylo Ren. Who spoilers, spoilers, massive spoilers. If you're still listening and haven't figured that out, we discover pretty early on that Kylo Ren is actually the son of Han Solo and Princess Leia, or General Leia, who's still a princess, I guess, and yeah. things considered. But their son, who was trained by Luke Skywalker, clearly things didn't work out well for him. <laughs> he turned to the dark side. Luke, feeling responsible for that, decided he was going to do the Luke Skywalker thing and be a baby and quit. The Obi-Wan <laughs> thing. And... No, yeah, really. but at least Obi-Wan's was like, okay, maybe, yeah, it's like, all right, look. Obviously, we're going to keep the kids safe, but we're going to dip out because Order 66 is clearly still in effect. We're getting our asses out of here. <laughs> They're gunning us down left and right. I mean, I thought Obi-Wan just, you know, left because he he had the same thing. Like, you know, he failed in his training of his... Well, I thought he and Yoda both, I thought Padawan that was the idea. And... Like, they were going to lay low so that way they didn't wipe out all the Jedi. Yeah. Well, in this case, it kind of was the same thing. But, you know, he felt, although this case was a little bit more personal and that he felt responsible. Yeah, but it's like you Because he kind of, you know, he kind of 
fucked up his nephew? <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, though, his nephew still is his own person. Yeah, but he turned evil. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, it's like, Luke, you piece of garbage. Like, dude, like, he's not the only Jedi out there. Like, Well, he kind of was. That was the whole point. They all got wiped out and Luke was the last you one. You mean to tell me this whole time Luke only trained, like, just his nephew and didn't think about... Because I Cause the whole... no, there was no other ones that they were aware of. Because remember, all the Jedis, they were systematically wiped out. So not to say that there can't be somebody out there with the Force, but he hadn't found them yet. He never just decided to just go out and, like, start scouting, you know? Well, I mean, that's got to be a kind of a hard thing to just kind of scout. You don't just intrinsically, yeah, I feel everybody who has the Force. and Yeah, but I'm like, in your travels, you don't see, like, there was nobody else who had potential? I don't think that's the kind of thing that's very <laughs> prevalent. I would imagine being strong in the Force is something that's, uh, that's something of a rarity. And you know, like they don't hold auditions and shit. Like, uh, yeah, they go down to the gym and like, like okay, you know, do tryouts. Here, move this cup. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you don't go to the learning index or like you know the YMCA and start doing tryouts. Like, all right, it's not like a thing in the schools where okay, we're gonna test you for like you know Jedi ability. <laughs> you know, like, there's no underground schools or because the idea was that you know the whole theme of hey, you can kill the Jedi's but you can't kill the ideal. Right. You know, it works on both sides. But I'm like, damn, like you sure did give up up a lot like the, <laughs> he being family was one thing and you know what we don't really know the whole story yet unless someone knows more than i do about it but who knows maybe kylo never really wanted to be trained you know you ever think yeah. about that that maybe it was really Luke's or maybe pushing? or maybe he bowed under the pressure of his father his mother his uncle all these legendary historic and larger than life figures and how do you know that he wanted to be just well, like you, them you, you know what i mean he clearly had a devotion to his grandfather yeah like he you know and he was all and what i liked about the depiction of kylo ren was that he wasn't absolute sith evil like you know like you know anakin became darth vader he had lost everything in life, so he pretty yeah. much devoted his life to being, you know, Sith. But in this case, Kylo's he's kind of working his way up to that, and he still has that conflict within him, and he's still he's very conflicted. And they show that he hasn't really transitioned all the way. Much like Finn never transitioned to be completely, you know, stormtrooper or whatever. And just like you know, Anakin for many years was conflicted, and he was so trying so hard to kind of be Jedi, but Dark Side was kind of pulling at him. And Kylo, you kind of have the same thing, and they opposite direction where he's you know dark side but the light's kind of still calling to him or let's just call it what it is the the males in the skywalker clan are punks yeah come on as we see like we've been theorizing that ray possibly may either be like i guess a solo or you know or maybe even a skywalker herself who knows mm -hmm. but well skywalker yeah because solo didn't have any any power any any jedi ability but if she is very well, like, one of the offspring in this family, it just further proves that, man, the women in this family clearly... Are the stronger ones. Yeah. <laughs> because... Because in... even though Leia didn't have maybe maybe strong force powers, she definitely had the better character and a stronger character. Yeah, and much like Luke mother... was always kind of a Luke was just kind of a wimp. I'm sorry, Luke Skywalker was was you know except when I was really little, Luke Skywalker was not my favorite character. He was kind of a whiny ass. He was much like his father, and it's funny. And, and yeah, like, Anakin we, was too. He complained so much about Hayden Christensen's acting, but if you think about it, he's spot on, and it was so believable that this is the father of Luke Skywalker because. 
I'm sorry. There were multiple times in A New Hope where I was hoping that someone would take him out. <laughs> he whines so many times. Oh, my God. Even in, like, in the case of when they go free Leia and, you know, they're getting shot at in the garbage chutes. Leia had to be the one to take the guns and like, give me this thing. And, of course, she's firing back. She's in the shoe. She's telling everybody else where mm-hmm. to go. Like, get your asses out. Let's, you know, let's do the damn thing. Right. Now seeing Kylo Ren, it's like, damn, is these the, the males in his family. Because <laughs> when, they, when they lose, when they slip up again, what does he do? But he throws the biggest hissy fit oh my god yes anakin looks like obi-wan kenobi compared to this guy where he's smashing equipment the dude just standing there like he's just freaking oh my god he that he he tore up like a whole control room or something and it's just kind of like won't won't that kind of fuck something up like look at it don't your boss get mad (laughs) and think about the crudeness of his saber which is clearly... Yeah, you can see it looks more like flames more than a saber. Like, it's somebody who clearly is trying to be this thing for whatever reason. I don't know if it's a matter of... He's unstable. And his saber kind of reflected that. If you look at the saber, it looks like an unstable laser beam. It looks more more like flames, really, when you look at it than an actual straight right. beam. And that kind of represents his own conflict and his and his instability. Is that even his saber that he made reflects that. And even like let's say the mask thing because it's like he clearly took on what was like a Darth Vader type motif. Right. Which the Sith usually nine out of ten times that the Sith are wearing any sort of disguise or whatever is either to remain concealed. Because they're horribly disfigured. If, or it's disfigurement, as we've seen in, like, let's say, Darth Revan and, like, you know, Knights of the Old Republic, who mm-hmm. clearly, more so than Anakin Skywalker, went through some shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, even, like, the Emperor, I mean, he, he wore that hoodie pretty low for a minute. Maybe well, finally. see, then it made sense because, okay, here's the same guy who's a senator. So yeah. people see him and it's like, wait, aren't you the chancellor? Like, hey, that ain't me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what? No, but I mean, even after when he got kind of messed up and he was still kind of keep it, he still kind of kept his face kind of covered Except up. Except for bit. when he went to the meeting and he's like, oh, my. Oh, yeah, I got burnt up. Oh, my God, look what he did to me. Yeah, it's like, but my resolve has never been strong. Like, really? And I'm the pathetic old man. Yeah. Like, he just pulled like a Paula Dean, like, I is what I is. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't changing. <laughs> yeah, I said the N-word eight times in, during this during the city hearing. And Bail Organa's like, did he just, did he just use Rachel did he just, did he just call us when I thought he called us? Like, all right, we'll, we'll just, all right. <laughs> Someone threw a ham at his face. Oh, shit. What the fuck? Yo, you remember that when Paul Dean got the ham thrown at her? Oh, gosh. Uh, no, I don't think Oh, I it was an accident, that. but it was this thing where they were doing, like, some sort of food thing, and they're, like, tossing, like, hams that were supposed to be given away, and she wasn't paying attention, they tossed her one in the <laughs> Like, a whole, like... See, it would have it been funny if it was, like, a big thing of butter or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, she didn't took the ham and coated it in butter and fried yeah, they're it. Yeah, they fried Which doesn't sound that bad, actually. And that's it. I love the fact that Kylo, as aggravating as a character as he may be because of his behavior... He's kind of like a fried ham? I'm oh, yeah, sorry. No, <laughs> <laughs> it's indicative of that family and bec- and he very much like his grandfather and his uncle is kind of a brat i'd imagine his home life was much different than his grandfather yeah even much different than his uncles where he had two parents he had yeah, he had clearly two parents who loved, who loved him. him yeah where did it all go wrong and yes we are led to believe that um the snow character has seduced him 
But yet, at what point would they have even met? You have this big time gap, and you think of episode six left off, everything's great, the you know, good conquered evil, everybody's living happily ever after. And next to you know, you know, 20, 30 years later, you find yourself back in the same exact place again. Yeah. And, but in an even worse kind of way. And it's just kind of like, what the hell happened? Like, how did we get here? And how did this guy, like, you know, he was the love child of Han and Leia. You know what I mean? And then, like, what the hell did this little brat do to get to this point? You know, and it's kind Maybe of is. Too hard. Kylo Ren's kind of like that little rich kid who grew up, has all this money, has all this power from their parents, is, feels themselves, gets emancipated, but doesn't really know what to do with himself and do with all that power. Oh, so and you think he's just like the spoiled rich kid? He is, yeah, he's like the spoiled rich kid. You know, and he found out that he had all this this power, and then you have this, this you know, Snoke come in and kind of, you know, just like the Emperor did, and kind of manipulate him and tell him, yeah, you don't need your parents. You got all this, that, and whatever going for you. You could go places. Yeah, but the only thing is, so if he's training with Luke, and if he was just kind of being brought up by him, at least his powers, how the hell would he have? Because clearly anyone who was teaching him, it's like, okay, unless they were actually out battling with Sith, how would he even encounter this Well, dude? considering that people in the forest can sense other people in the forest. Wait, they they, just, like, Skype them one day? I mean, like... this Snoke dude, we don't know how powerful he is. I mean, you kind of, they kind of imply that his he's bigger, larger-than-life character than even the Emperor was. You look at his face, it looks like pieces are missing, and he's still walking around fine. So I guess, you know, there is some power there, because he's even more screwed up than the Emperor's face yeah. was. But, you know, we don't know where he tapped into to Kylo and figured out, hey, this kid has potential and let me get a piece of him, you know. We don't know where Luke was training him. You know, we don't know where Han and Leia were all this time. Was Han living at Leia's place? Was Leia kind of traveling around the universe trying to fix stuff, you know, where from when everything kind of went to hell? You know, what was going on during that time period? And that's kind of where a lot of the questions lie. It's like, how did we get here? Why is everything? I'd imagine they're probably going to use whether they be comics because now, of course, being under the Disney umbrella, anything that's been released since that acquisition is now canon. So Rebels, I mean, I think Clone Wars may still be canon, but you know, Rebels is bridging the gap between three and four a little bit, and I think Shattered Empire is the comic that is taking place between Jedi and now Force Awakens. But you're right, like things are it's funny like no matter how much things have changed they've kind of stayed the same yeah and i guess maybe that's sort of the point because yes they blew up a death star emperor palpatine has been defeated that's all that really happened there was no and yes they're celebrating what was clearly another you know decisive battle but at no point was there any indication that this is the end like of anything really because look at it this way with each time they push forward Obviously, the opposition is going to push back. Right. And especially if they killed one of their biggest leaders, you damn well best believe that they're going to be angry. And even if they lay low for a while, in order to build the First Order, you know, they probably just came back in greater force than they ever were. Right. Because, again, you can't kill an ideal. Very true. I mean, and it's just kind of like, you know, when they wiped out Hitler, okay, they took off the head of this of this massive Reich, those ideas are still kind of around and maybe they don't manifest themselves on such a scale as the original Nazis did and you have instead maybe the neo-Nazis or or what have you, but those ideas are still around, but because they took out their greatest leader and took away the power from them, they can't operate on this scale, but in this case, they got their power back somehow. And again, the Sith are working with 
the you know the first order they still kind of have that symbiotic relationship still to me it just feels like a very large group of intergalactic neo-nazis yeah they like hey you know like i said we are we are not unfortunately we still have no power in terms of governmental power right we don't have that seat anymore but we like you said we believe they so believe so strongly in the ideals of let's say the dark vaders or the palpatines mm-hmm. and the troopers so we took on this persona even though we're not necessarily the same thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, shit, even though like their ships resemble, let's say, Star Destroyers, mm-hmm. and you know, they took on a TIE Fighters, things like that, this is not that same group. Yeah, this order, they really kind of amped it up. Yeah. You know, they're definitely, well, I don't know, better funded, more, more, ex- you know, more people involved, more, more expansive, they're more organized, they're, they've really kind of boiled everything down and very and very much more fanatical even as bad as we thought the regional empire was the first order those are freaking crazy nazi bastards and that's really what this movie kind of deals into is a lot of fanaticism yeah and where it can go right and where it can go wrong because think about a character let's let's move on to ray real quick Mm mm-hmm you know, and obviously her story parallels a lot of, let's say, Luke Skywalker's even Anakin's. Mm-hmm. You know, here's this clearly poor girl with a terrible family dynamic. In this case, we let to believe that someone out there she belongs to or can claim or someone, you know what I mean? But they're clearly not there. Right. And she's very resourceful from, like, her first scene. Mm-hmm. And yet she's clearly struggling. And you could tell that while she wants more, there's still that pull of clearly this is where she belongs sort of thing. But obviously, once, you know, shit goes down, you know, she pulls it together and starts kicking ass. Mm-hmm. But yet, she still clearly clings to those stories. So obviously, when she finds out that, let's say, Harrison, you know, Han Solo is who he is, or mentioning you know, the word of, like, let's say, the Skywalker, she's like, oh, shit, just like the stories. Mm-hmm. So it's like these characters also, they, they themselves took on this larger-than-life even though you get the idea that in this 30-year gap, maybe, unfortunately, they became merely stories that they told. Or they become more legendary. You know, right. with each telling, things become more... You know, Although, in case, I guess in the case of Han Solo, they, they lowered his accomplishment because, you go, oh, you did it in 14 parts. Like, no, it was 12, you know? Right. And they're still fighting over how many parts six. But they were historic figures, you know? And, and the movement, the whole conquering of the Empire, obviously, is a huge... That's like, you know... In our case, I guess us winning the world war, the world wars, you know, yeah, it's a big freaking deal, and it's in the history books, and those stories are passed on, and they're probably embellished and whatever, and our heroes are made even more heroic, and they're probably human just like us and just as screwed up as us, but they become more heroic with with each telling, and and their flaws or whatever are kind of dismissed, and you kind of like when somebody dies, like when they're alive, everybody talks crap about them, and then when they die, all of a sudden they're a saint, right? History naturally, like of course, like that legend becomes bigger than what history really teaches yeah you know and she grew up hearing about these these great things and this great time and you know and that represents hope for you know for a girl who's kind of stuck on this planet being an essentially uh not a slave but obviously you're stuck where you are and those stories are are something that probably helped her got through get through the day is thinking about yeah. those heroes and and all these great things and she studied it and you have to think about something. You have to, when you're living in a place where there's no hope and there's nothing good about where you at, you have to kind of go put your mind somewhere, you know, the happy place, you know? And yet she was just amazingly resourceful because yeah. 
at no point in those stories, and much like the women in that family, the women were never she, weak. The women were is, always resourceful. They never waited for anybody to take care of them. They right. took care of their damn selves. That is, of course, assuming she is even related to them at all. Yeah, it's funny. Even though she maybe grew up in a similar environment, let's say, as Luke Skywalker, she had a very different life. And she grew up maybe more like Anakin did, but but she used that to be better. I mean, Anakin actually was very resourceful, too. True. You know, as a child, I mean, he was kind of, you know, he was kind of a prodigy, you know, um, and lost his way when he was older, but... They both have that same, if you think about it, Ray and Anakin have that same, or bringing that same potential. But it's funny that, you know, I just thought of something. And of course, again. But I think maybe the fact that she was hoping family was coming back for her at some point, that kept her grounded. Right. But I'm wondering now if in the case, going back to the Kylo thing, because much like Kylo, Luke came from, he did, honestly, even though he didn't grow up with his parents. He did grow up with a loving family. And then played kind of the entitled brat, too. He's like, I want to go yeah. to the kitchen. You know, Mr. Oh, picking up, <laughs> or picking up power converters. Like, man, I need to go to Toshi Steaks to be a power converter. Man, I'm never going to get off this rock. <laughs> so it's like, and I wonder if, because I'm thinking this, how great of a twist would it be if it wasn't that Luke feel like he failed because he was tempted by snow? But what if just Kylo just was never going to be trained to begin with? Maybe he saw too much of what he saw in his father. Or that too much of that family, like, this is too familiar. I can't train you. Mm-hmm. And at that point, Kylo decides to, you know, basically dip out. You know, he's wandering, you know, being, like you said, that rich kid, you know, that pro- you know, mm-hmm. prodigal son going out and gambling. And Snow and just kind of, like, swipes him, him up. Like, hey, you know, right. oh, he won't train you, but I will. Right. As opposed to being like, oh, you turned to the dark side and I'm not depending, you know. But what if he was just that kid who just would not listen to shit? You know, maybe <laughs> maybe, maybe Luke saw that he was going, you know, the way of Anakin and just kind of cut out. <laughs> right. And he's basically Early. like, look, before we even get this far. Yeah. I, like, I, no. I know I know you ain't going to work out. You're a bad seed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no. He put like, the rest and failed right you on know, a piece of paper. Like, do you not? It was like, mm, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And, oh my gosh, there's there's so much more to talk about. But I will say, though, that, you know, because we really didn't even get into a lot of the characters. But what I'm going to do for now is I'm going to cut this short. And to tell you the truth, I'm going to pick this up in part two of our episode where we really start talking episode seven. Okay. So for now, that'll do it for this part of our Star Wars Force Awakens episode of Adrian Has Issues. I'm Adrian. And I'm Eileen. And uh, we'll see you for part two. This is Tom. This is Jake. And this is Travis. And we are 
of the Drunken Dork Podcast. Tune in every week and listen to us discuss the finer points on superheroes, the latest pop culture news, as well as all of our favorite blues. You can listen to us on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, or the Stitcher app for Android. And be sure to catch up on all of our episodes by visiting us over at www.drunkendorkpodcast.wordpress.com. And remember, folks, you have one liver. Ruin it well. <laughs>